I want to see the, the flanks here. All right. You know, I've, uh, I was just uh, sitting here um, thinking a little bit today. Um, I've been teaching the Bible in some form or fashion. I, I started when I was going uh, to Dallas Seminary back in the, I think I started there in 73. And uh, I was teaching a college class and everything, never taught before in my life. And uh, I don't take it for granted. Um, I'm an introvert of the highest order uh, as a personality type. I'm the kind of guy people invite over when they want to be by themselves. (laughs) But uh, I... And I, I... I still get butterflies uh, when I come up and do this, even though I've been doing it for 43 years and pastored this church for 20 of those years. And so it means a lot uh, to me, uh, and I consider it a privilege of the highest order to be able to do this. So anyway, um, I'd like to read a passage of scripture to you. Um, I've discovered a a decent reading will make up for whatever flaws are in the actual teaching itself. So, uh, uh, so, uh, uh, and I'm going to read it, and I'm going to read it twice, okay? It's a short passage, and I'll, I'll do it twice. And then after the second time, I'll say, this is God's word, and you say amen and amen, okay? You want to try it here, amen? Okay, say amen and amen, all right. Uh, Let's stand, will you? Listen up. This is uh, found in a familiar passage, uh, the Gospel of Luke. It just precedes uh, the story of the prodigal son, but this is what it's saying. Now all the tax gatherers and sinners were coming near him, this is Jesus, to listen to him. Both the Pharisees and scribes began to grumble, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable, saying, What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. One more time. Now all the tax gatherers and the sinners were coming to him and listening to him, Both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, This man eats with sinners. Uh, So he told them this parable, saying, What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture and go out after the one which he has lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, 
For I have found my sheep which was lost. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. This is God's word. Amen Amen. and amen. God bless you. Be seated. All right, there's two groups of people to whom Jesus is talking. There's one group uh, uh, of sinners and tax collectors, and these are the very unrespectable people. These are the ones that uh, uh, are unpopular with the masses. And then there's a, a second group. These were the scribes and the Pharisees. And uh, these were considered very respectable people. They were uh, interpreters of the law and biblical scholars. And uh, they did a good job. They, they tried to continue to make Israel a religious nation, even though that it was under the secular rule of the Roman Empire. Uh, Anyway, the religious leaders were grumbling, and they were grumbling over the fact that the non-respectable people, the tax gatherers, the, uh, the collaborators with Rome, the sinners were coming to Jesus, and Jesus happened to be hanging out with them, enjoying their company, laughing with them, even uh, going in the home and eating with them. And in a culture where having a meal with individuals was considered acceptance and even approval, uh, they wondered how a good man could behave like this. How can a, a, you claim to be God when you hang with lowlifers, so to speak? And yet when you look at, at Jesus and the way in which he operated in the Gospels, you realize he did hang with people that would be considered outcasts of the normal mainstream of society. You think about Zacchaeus. You know, he called Zacchaeus down from a tree. And Zacchaeus was a... Uh, a tax collector. He was a collaborator with Rome. Uh, he was a despicable man in the eyes of the people, and yet, you know, Jesus hung with him. He would be a political outcast, if you please. Then there was a prostitute who wept at the feet of Jesus and then uh, dried his feet with her own hair. And uh, she, of course, would be a moral outcast. And then there were lepers. He would be physical outcasts. And poor people would be social outcasts. And Jesus would hang with them as well. And then he showed compassion to a Samaritan woman. Remember in John 4, there's a story of a woman from Samaria who comes to the well. And Jesus is sitting there. Disciples had gone to get something to eat. And he engages her. And the Samaritans were kind of a, a half-breed crossover, so to speak. They were the Jews, the product of Jews who intermarried with Gentiles, and it produced that Samaritan race that lived right in the middle of what we would call the Holy Land, Galilee to the north, Judea to, or Judah to the south, and then Samaria in the middle, and Jews hated the Samaritans, polluting the Jewish race, so to speak, so they wouldn't even go through Samaria. They would cross the Jordan River on the east side and go up or down depending on where they're going. If they were going from, um, if they were going from you know, Galilee down to Judah and so forth. So he hung with them, this, this particular woman. And she, of course, would be a racial outcast as well. And these are the uh, kinds of people 
that the upright religious looked down on. And they were saying Jesus is soft on sin. You know, he welcomes people that God would never welcome. He socializes with people that uh, would never enter into our places of worship. And so what Jesus does is he corrects the thinking of the people that are around him by telling this story, simple little story in hide-and-seek hide kind of language. You know, go back with me for just a moment. Some of, well, really all of us need to go back a lot of decades, but a quick show of hands. If you've ever played the game of hide-and-seek at least one time in your life, <laughs> just raise your hands. Okay, <laughs> great. So, you know, very, very simple game. You know, one person seeks, and then everybody else runs off and hides. And, of course, the fun part of hide-and-seek is uh, getting to be the one that uh, hides. Uh, You get to be in control. You get to call the shots. You get to keep your eyes open. You get to go wherever you want to go. The hard part of the game hide-and-seek is the one who seeks, Because uh, the seeker puts himself in the humble position of trying to find people that are wanting to evade him. You know, in the game game of hide-and-seek, the one who seeks doesn't uh, get much of a title. Uh, In some games, uh, at least you get an exalted job description, so to speak. Uh, For instance, in the game of basketball, the sinner is the one around whom the action flows. The forward has a a nice progressive sound to it. The guard uh, protects something that matters. But in the game of hide-and-seek, what do we call the one who seeks? It. It. Remember that? You know, not Captain It, not Chief Executive It, not even Cousin It for you Adams Family fan. Uh, Just plain old it. And nobody wants to be it, right? What does everybody say at the beginning of the game? Not it. Right. I don't want to be it. I don't want any vestiges of itness about me. You know, uh, I don't want to be associated with it in any form. Now, at the end of the game, when some of the hiders have hidden too well, Uh, it will utter some very familiar words. Remember? Yeah, he would cup his hands over his mouth and say in a loud voice that penetrated the entire neighborhood, uh, Ollie, Ollie, oxen free. Uh, Ever wonder what that means? Actually comes from a Latin phrase that means liberate the oxen. I actually, I have absolutely no idea what it means. I just made that up. Um, I don't know what it means. You know, <laughs> a little late. You know, in the context of the game, though, what it means is that it's safe to come home. Uh, no one will chase you. No one will tag you. You won't have to be it It's really a a cry of grace to people who are hiding, is what it is. And uh, the story of the shepherd and the lost sheep is really a story about seeking. And when you look at this story, who is it in this story? Jesus is it. God is it. Um, God has gone off the look for hiding people. 
You know, we uh, like to consider ourselves seekers and uh, not hiders. We um, I might go to churches that, uh, some of you go to churches that are seeker-sensitive type churches, so to speak, and it, it, it's a, a wonderful thing. You can go in there and kind of investigate, and they don't climb your frame, and you can go at your own pace, and I, I understand all of that, uh, you know, uh, because it, it oftentimes corresponds and describes, uh, you know, what we do from our point of view. You know, I finally found God. I've been thinking about God and seeking God, and I finally found God. And from a human point of view, that, that's, that's uh, understandable. It was Augustine who said, you know, we're, we're restless until we find our rest in God. And what God has done is he's placed eternity in every heart, uh, you ask a little child, do you want to live forever? And they'll say, of course I do. You get to be older and you're not so sure anymore, you know. <laughs> but uh, in the truest sense of the word, we're not satisfied with our three score and ten and then absolutely nothing. Uh, that doesn't make any sense to us. We, we're always searching for transcendence. Uh, and yet when you find the Lord, and become a Christian, embrace the Lord, so to speak, and look back on the process. And you see the gravity of your own sin and depravity and the absolute holiness and perfection of Jesus Christ. You realize that God is really the one that sought me out. You know, I was hiding. I'm a natural hider. God is the one who goes and seeks those who hide. I got to thinking, you know, who is it that hides from God? Well, it's the man whose priorities are so messed up that he can't remember the time, the last time that he really thought seriously about God or prayed or did a, a lot of things. You know, most men know what they need to do, but just have a hard time doing it in the spiritual realm. It's also the woman who would be filled with anger um, because. Her marriage isn't quite uh, the wonderful uh, situation that she hoped it would be. Uh, she's angry at her mother. She's upset at her kids. And it seems like the world is closing in on her. It's kind of a frozen anger. Not everybody realizes it, but she, she does. And at times it frightens her. And all of us have hidden from God. And we do it through dishonesty and laziness and moral laxity. All we like sheep have gone astray, really. Now, in our story, the odds of a lost sheep making it back to the fold are very, very remote. Um, actually, most animals with a high IQ um, usually get their own television series at some point in time. <laughs> Think about it, especially in our era, back a long time ago. You know, dolphins are pretty smart people. Anybody remember the name of a dolphin that had a TV series? Flipper, okay. Uh, how, about, uh, how about dogs? Lassie, Ren Tin Tin, Beethoven. He had a series of feature films. Uh, how about cats? Garfield, for sure. Horses? Trigger. <laughs> My friend Flicka, okay, all right. Black Beauty, Fury. What? 
Mighty mousy. Mice, right. Uh, How about pigs? Arnold. Anybody remember Green Acres? Eddie Albert, Ava Gabor? Some of you are thinking, Gary, your mind's a junkyard, a worthless trivia. (laughs) And it is. I admit it. Uh, Very bright pig, Green Acres. Actually could predict the weather with its tail. Remember that one? Anybody think of a great sheep? What? Okay, okay, all right. I can't think of one, but that's cool. (laughs) Sheep are notoriously stupid animals. Uh, You go to a place uh, like England when sheep are grazing all over the place, but the the shepherds have to keep moving them because they'll graze in the same place uh, until it becomes a, a desert wasteland. They'll walk the same trails until it becomes absolutely rutted. Uh, They'll pollute the same ground until it becomes corrupt with disease. And so that's just the way sheep operate. They're not bright. They're not proactive. If one sheep goes over a cliff, then the others are just going to simply follow that sheep and do exactly the same thing. That's the way it works. You'd think one of them might be able to pause for just a moment and say, you know, Sally went over that cliff and never showed up again. I think I'll sit this one out, you know. Not a chance. Not a chance. Never happens. Uh, sheep have one thing going for them, and that they know that when they're lost. Uh, they don't live in denial. A sheep knows when it needs to be saved. You know, there's an old English term that's still used to describe a sheep that's in great trouble, and that would be a cast sheep. And a cast sheep is a sheep that somehow ends up on its back and can't get off of it. You know, they may separate from the flock a little bit and go over and eat a clump of grass somewhere, and they might lie down, and all of a sudden they're on their back, and uh, they can't get off. And the center of gravity just kind of sinks down further and further, and they'll paw the air in, in panic trying to get off at their back. But the more they paw, the worse it gets. The cavity fills up with gases, cuts off the blood supply to the legs. And if it's a hot day, they'll uh, die in, you know, three or four hours. If it's a cool day, they might make it for 10 or 12 hours, but uh, they will die. They will die for sure uh, if they can't get off their back. And so Jesus um, tells us that this is really the human predicament. We're flat on our backs. We're unable to save ourselves. And uh, then this is where really men get confused about being found. Because... Um, Men might say, men have a tendency to say when you talk to men, that if I'm really good enough for me, then I'm good enough for God. You know, I'm, a, I'm an asset to our culture, to our society. I pay my taxes. I'm pretty faithful. I do a lot of the right things. And if somehow that which I do right overbalances that which I do wrong, then, you know, I'll be fine. The scales will tip in my, my favor. You know, the Bible obviously makes it clear that uh, we're lost sheep, we're out in the wilderness, and we're lying on our back, ready to perish. 
And no amount of ingenuity on our own part will relieve our desperate condition and our only hope is to have a searching shepherd find us. And uh, the place where God claims his sheep, of course, is at the cross. Uh, You know, we should have died because of the sin. We offended a holy God and uh, don't deserve to be in his presence and we deserve to die. But Jesus is the one, of course, who died in our place. The one who knew no sin became sin in order that we might become, if you please, men of God. And that at some moment in time, we call it a conversion, we end up trusting Christ as our our Savior and Lord. And it's really the holiness of Christ that is imputed to us and the sin that is in us is removed from us that gets us the ticket to heaven. A lot of times uh, we get a little confused and think, uh, if somehow my sin is removed, uh, then I'll be in God's presence. But that's only half the issue. Uh, The other half of the issue is that we need an imputation uh, from Christ. Uh, He's the one who kept the law for us. And so God takes that double transfer at the cross. He takes the sin that we have and puts it on Jesus, and he suffers and dies for that sin. But then he takes the righteous life of Jesus and imputes it to us. And it's that double transaction that actually results in, uh, in salvation for us. You know, at the beginning, I mentioned that uh, there are two groups that were listening to Jesus tell this little story about the lost sheep. One group was respectable and one group was corrupt. The difference, however, is that the unrespectable people knew that they were lost. Uh, the respectable people didn't know that. Uh, they, they were lost. They didn't know it. They were proud of their lifestyle. They were proud of their place in the community and really too stubborn uh, to um, admit that they had a problem with sin. You know, it's interesting when the shepherd goes out and finds the sheep, it's interesting what the shepherd doesn't say to the sheep. Uh, he doesn't say, you stupid sheep. You know, you should, you have only yourselves to blame. You know, what were you thinking when you walked off like that? Didn't you know that the trails were narrow and the the cliff is steep and the, the terrain is full of wolves. You know, don't come bleeding to me because you got yourself lost. He doesn't say those things. You know, the shepherd just simply opens up his arms and he takes the sheep and goes home. The shepherd doesn't uh, give the sheep, uh, there's no condescension, there's no lectures, there's no bony index finger right in their face. None of that. Just a a shepherd that's so full of compassion that when he finds a lost sheep, his heart melts. And far from resenting the pain of the search, he throws a party with goodwill and laughter. You know, interestingly, I mentioned a few weeks ago at Voyagers when I was speaking here that uh, a lot of people, particularly men, get confused about what Christianity is like. In fact, uh, they open the Bible and they read all of the rules and all of the admonitions that are there and 
uh, a man knows that he fails every single one of them, and he closes it and says, you know, I can't take this religion. It's too negative. It's too restrictive. It makes me feel bad about myself, and so I, I, I do a whole lot better if I just stay away from church. And people that think that way uh, invariably misunderstand the nature of Christianity And what Christianity is, is the good shepherd, and that would be the Lord Jesus Christ, who says, I'm going to come down and correct the situation. And so he comes down, and he keeps all the rules for us, every single one of them. He says, I'll come down, and I'll keep them for you. I'll keep them on your behalf. And invariably... Uh, by keeping them on your half. All he's, what he's saying, he says, all you need to do is hop on my back and I'll get you to glory. Uh, just, just hop on and I will get you to glory. Uh, and then he asks us of one thing, just as, of a man, and we do well with one thing. Uh, the only thing God asks us is that we live the rest of our lives in amazement and gratitude for what he's done. And if you think about it, if we can live a life of gratitude, just thankfulness, live a life of amazing, I can't believe he did it for me, uh, then everything else in the Christian life has a way of falling into place. It'll kind of take care of itself. So as men, you know, we want to hide. We suffer from a lot of shame. We know we need to be sought. Uh, But maybe we're no longer confused about being found. It's God that finds us. And that's the nature of the God that we have. Um, If you're here today, it's not because you found him. It's because he found you. And uh, there's great cause for thanksgiving for that. Okay, our Lord, we... Thank you for this, uh, this day and these little simple lessons from the scriptures that uh, remind us of who you are and the desperate need that we have and uh, how, Father, we get into trouble when we go solo in life. And uh, I pray, Father, that um, we'll live in grace in the remainder of this day and just be thankful. Uh, not uh, impose any unnecessary rules and regulations so that we can feel a little bit better about ourselves, but just be thankful and do what uh, comes in our own direction. In Christ's name, amen. God bless you. Thanks.